All right, welcome back to Worst Seats in the House. Michael Russo and Anthony LaPanta coming to you during the first intermission of the stunning uh, Vegas Golden Knights Dallas Stars game six in Dallas. Uh, Dallas won two in a row without their captain, Jamie Benn, to get to this spot. And uh, Vegas up three zip after one and barring an absolute meltdown by uh, Aiden Hill and the Vegas Golden Knights. It's going to be Vegas, Florida in the Stanley Cup final. And this surprised me a little bit because I thought Dallas was terrific in game five and coming home for game six, it seemed likely that they at the very least would be competitive in this game, but it's been all Vegas in this first period of this game and they've been really efficient coming out of their own zone. It's That's the strength of their club. I, their defensive core is so good and in this first period of this game, they've been dominant. And just watching in the uh, on the way over here, it was very clear to me that that like Vegas almost after 24 turnovers the other day were like told do not stick handle. <laughs> like I mean their you, their you defense were, you couldn't you were watching on your way over well, here. Yeah, I had the I had the phone on uh sideways and it was on instead of listening to radio I had the oh uh, the ESPN plus. But the one thing I mean every single time that they went back for that puck it was off their stick in like a nanosecond. Like it, it just felt like we're not turning the puck over tonight. And it really eliminated any ability of Dallas to forecheck. Yeah, and that's kind of what I was getting. The, the efficiency coming out of their zone yeah. has been impressive in this in this first period. There's still a long way to go in the game, and we've seen we've seen some swings in this series within games, but it's hard to imagine that Vegas defensive core letting a three goal lead yeah. get away. And you, and what the real big swings that we've seen in the series happen in games what four and five, where it just felt like every time Vegas scored. Dallas struck back within a minute or two, and and tonight they kept their foot off the gas, on the gas. And the fourth line, which I have long thought is one of the best fourth lines in hockey, uh, with with Colasar and uh, Carrier leading the way. I mean, obviously a great, great first period. Well, they've had a couple guys really step up. How about William Carlson? Yeah, He's nine been goals. So good in this postseason, and nine goals and playing against the best to the point yeah. where in the Edmonton series, the Oilers were staying away from him. They wouldn't put McDavid on the ice against Carlson, and Carlson not only was shutting him down, but he was scoring. He's been terrific, and I think the one of the big stories of this series too, though, has been Jake Ottinger. He's been very average in a couple good moments, but surprisingly, in fact, I'd say even below average in this series so far, and this is a guy who the last couple games of the series against Minnesota was by far the best player on the ice for either side, but he's been up and down throughout these posts, these playoffs. Yeah, he was up and down definitely against Seattle. And, and, uh, and I agree with you, this series, um, an outstanding games four and five, um, Aiden Hill was outstanding in game five, but then he became Aiden Hill at times as well. Um, but it, it is amazing to me, um, that between Hill and Logan Thompson and Brossois, that this team went in with this goaltending this year, and here they up are um, two periods from being in the Stanley Cup final with well, Aiden Hill in net number 30 out of 32 in the Athletics goalie tier last year. And, well, so there's that's shocking for certain. And they weren't playing the best down the stretch for sure. And on the other side, you got Florida in that needed a Chicago win over Pittsburgh in the final game of the season mm -hmm or they don't even make the playoffs. Then in the first series, they're down 3-1. The game goes overtime, and Brad Marchand has a breakaway to win the series and knock them out early in the overtime. Best player on the ice 
has the series on his stick and easily could have been done in five games and nobody would have even remembered that Florida was in the playoffs. And yet now here they sit as the hottest team in the NHL and riding a goalie that had lost his job going into the playoffs. It's it's crazy how it has evolved to get these two teams, assuming that Vegas hangs on here, into that final series. I think before the playoffs started, I don't know where if I would have sat down and ranked the teams in the West, but I did think Vegas was the only team that I liked their matchup against Edmonton, but I would have never, I would have picked probably for sure Colorado, probably Dallas, probably Edmonton ahead of them in terms of likely representatives in the West. And Florida would have been eighth out of eight <laughs> for me in the East without a doubt. Yeah. Um, Partially just because they were playing Boston in the first absolutely. round and, and probably the surest bet to lose. Yep. And and by the way, we're coming to you from the Aquarius Home Services studio. Um, let's talk about that Florida uh, team. I just got back there, uh, back from there, and I'm actually now going to head to Vegas. Uh, it looks like Vegas on Thursday to cover that series. I'm essentially the quasi-Panthers beat writer, ironically, um, uh, for the athletics since we don't have somebody down there. So 18 years after I left, I'm back back uh, covering that team. Um, but I have never seen anything like what Matthew Kachuk has done to transform that franchise. Yeah, I mean, you know what, though? It's interesting. And, and I, I'm a huge Matthew Kachuk fan. Right. And he's he's been terrific when the games have been on the line. There have also been some long stretches in those games where he's been invisible. And early in that series against Carolina, I can't remember if it was game one or game two, he had basically been a non-factor in the game and then scored the game winner. And he's had his moments where he's been great, too. I can't remember a playoff where a guy has scored more big goals than Kachuk has scored in this yeah. postseason. It's it's unbelievable. And he has changed that franchise. He's the identity of the franchise. I know he's not the captain, but he's the identity yeah. of that team. Um yeah, to your point, long stretches of regulation of not scoring, and then he comes through at the biggest points. Obviously, uh, three overtime winners, two in the last in the last round against Carolina, one against Boston, biggest goal. He, I mean, even the regular season game against Washington, have to win it. He scores the big goal, and then obviously with four point nine seconds left the other night um, to eliminate Carolina in the playoffs. Um, to your point on the captaincy, it's really really neat just being around that team and seeing the respect level that Sasha Barkov has for Matthew Kachuk. I think a lot of captains would be a little bit hard to accept a large personality to come in there and essentially take over the room. But he has absolutely um, handed a lot of the rope of this team to Matthew Kachuk. He talks about how eye-opening it was for him to see Matthew and everything that he does off the ice, the way he treats the trainers, all that type of stuff. Um, and then even when they're bringing out the Prince of Wales trophy the other day, it wasn't just Barkov that went to accept it. He brought Matthew Kachuk out there. Right. It's like they're co-captains. And I team. also, I loved Kachuk's answer that I don't believe in any of these jinxes or yep. anything. We earned this. We're this is it's stupid not to. We mm -hmm. worked hard to win this trophy. And I also you made the point about that he treats everybody well. I saw a clip of him on the TNT basketball yeah, pregame show the before the Heat game, mm -hmm. and so he was on with Charles Barkley and and Shaquille O'Neal and Kenny Anderson and and one of them asked him Kenny Smith sir. Yeah, one of them asked him a question. I think it actually, I, I don't remember which guy asked him the question, but they, the question they asked was about their family and the impact that Keith had on him as a player. 
And he said, you know, my dad always gave me two pieces of advice that he said had to, that he demanded it of me was number one, to always work hard, play as hard as you can play, do everything in your power, work your ass off. But the second was be a good teammate, be a good person to everybody, Mm -hmm. whether it be the ushers, the rink attendants, the equipment manager, or your teammates and your coaches. And that to me is number one, it's leadership, but number two, it's NHL hockey players by and large, that's what makes them different than a lot of pro athletes, frankly, is they have so much respect for the game, but they also are just such humble and good people to a core where we're around the wild on an everyday basis and you see the way those guys treat their staff. And it's that's not abnormal around the league. And to hear a superstar like Kachuk say, this is the one lesson my dad taught me before I went into the mm-hmm. NHL was to treat everybody around me well. Well, that's why he's a leader. And that's why some of those superstars are great people off the ice as well as leaders yeah. on the ice. First week on the job, he took uh, he took the trainers out to dinner. Um, is is all the anecdotes that are coming down there, and everybody talking about it. Aristotle the other day was telling me he goes, it's he goes, it's funny that he's everything the opposite of what he envisioned him to be when he first got there. That he just you know thought he was everything that you see on the ice that had to right. be the way when he's you'd off be of his it. opponent. Yep. The the stuff that would drive you crazy. Yeah. And yep. you'd say this guy's a pain in the ass. He's a instigator. He's a he's the guy who plays that role of trying to get under the skin of opponents. But he does it by playing hard every single night. And I was I actually was talking to Dean Evison about him a little bit maybe a week or so ago, and he just said he's a guy every coach would love to have because he's just a freaking winner. Yeah, and he. And he knows he recognizes right away on the ice if you're not there for the fight. You know, I, I was watching that Carolina series, and I remember Kachuk was going after Kakaniemi in games game I think two nonstop, just all over him. And he recognized there was going to be no pushback. He goes, he drops his stick, Kakaniemi. Instead of pushing back, he just goes with his tail between his legs, picks up the stick, and we saw that throughout the series. We've seen that just the way that he plays. Um, but uh, but to your point also on hockey players in general, we see this all the time. We used to see Miko Koivu take the trainers out all the time. You and I'd be on the road, and there would come in the trainers with Koivu. Or, you know, I mean, heck, years and years after Danny Heatley's career has ended, every time we're in, out in Southern California, there's Heatley with the trainers as well. Um, that's just the way that, that hockey players are. They have such a respect for the for the um, support you know, the, the support of the, the guys team, that they yeah. know make their life better and yep. easier on an everyday basis. Yep. They cannot perform without those and uh, medical and equipment guys. It's yeah. not, Hey, here's some cash at the end of the season. Yeah, here's your Christmas bonus. Right. They truly respect those guys yeah, they're and, friends. and they are, yeah. they're friends and they treat them yeah. well. And how those, many weddings of wild players has Tony DaCosta been at and right. been in the wedding, you know? And I mean, that's just the, the way that, that, you know, those guys are, I mean, it's just, uh, it's pretty sweet the way that hockey, um, tr- uh, how about, let's, let's go on with, uh, with the series. You know, we just talked about Aiden Hill being in the Stanley cup final against, Potentially, Sergei Bobrovsky, um, potentially meaning if Aiden Hill gets there. I would have said there. coming into this season, barring the guys who aren't playing anymore, like half mm-hmm. of the Coyotes roster, the salaries they're paying guys who aren't playing, Bobrovsky would have been up there for the worst, worst contract con- yeah. in the NHL. Yeah. I, I don't know that there yeah. would have been a worse one. 
No, I agree with you. Um, and during the regular season, he did nothing to disprove that. He's, you would have said coming into the playoffs, we got a $10 million a year goaltender who isn't our starter game one. Third to last game of the season, must-win game in Washington, Alex Lyons in net. Start of the playoffs against the Boston Bruins, Alex Lyons in net. That says it all. You know, right. I mean, it just says it all. No, he's if he wins the cup this year yep. and goes the way he's been going here. Con Smythe. Con Smythe. And then maybe you have to say that no matter what else happens yep. in his career, 10 million bucks yep. to win the cup was worth it. Yeah. But I still would argue that coming into the season, he had the worst contract. No, there's not a team in the league that would have traded for that contract. You can never blame the contract. You can never rip the contract again if he wins him a cup. It's the same th It's the same rationale as Wild fans saying that the $98 million deal of Supreze and Suter weren't worth it because they didn't get them a cup. But if they had one cup, nobody would be complaining about those yeah, contracts. And I, and I still, to this day, even though I believe the buyout was the right thing to do, Signing Parisian Suter changed this franchise forever, yep. for the better. Mm -hmm. It made them relevant, and they were the ones who started the run of making the playoffs every year. What people forget is prior to that contract signing, the making the playoffs was far from a given. In fact, there were more seasons where the Wild were on the outside looking in than in the postseason. And then when those guys arrived, it was every year but one. They were in the playoffs. And that it changed the franchise. It gave the franchise relevance. I don't think it's any small part of some of the other players that then came because it was now this team looks like a playoff team. And even though they didn't make a run to a cup, the you could argue that the deals were flawed in terms of their length, but signing the two of them and signing the two of them to a the average annual value that they did was clearly worth it. I think it it put the franchise on the map. Yeah, I would concur. How how real do you think it is? I've read a couple articles and I that are already talking about should Buying the Dallas suit. Stars buy out Ryan Suter? Yeah, I mean, I don't think it's real. I, I really don't think they would do it with two years left, maybe with one. Um, but, you know, um, I think it's more fan-driven, really, than anything. Uh, but I do think that they have not been happy with him. The reason why he plays with Heisken is to shelter him. Um, you know, clearly he's had a tough series here. Um, but when he wants to, could still be a good defenseman. We saw the the job that he did with Heisken against the Wilds top He line. can be productive, for sure. Yeah. I, he's not I just a first-pair yeah, defenseman. I just don't think, unless they absolutely need the cap space, I just don't know if you do it with two years left. Um, yeah, you know, but his cap, <laughs> I don't know if anybody's ever been bought out by two franchises at once. That's what That'd I was just going to ask you. Is yeah. It would be, it's probably a first. And he's a first-pair defenseman because of the way their defensive core is set up. The Lindell Hockenpah pair has mm -hmm. been so good for them against the Wild, against Seattle, and and they've been good in this Vegas series as well. But putting Suter with Haskinen covers up some of the flaws in Suter's game. He can still be a productive NHL player. I just think the way Dallas's roster is set up. Mm -hmm. When I read a couple of those articles, and I had no idea if there was, I, I don't know the media in Dallas well enough to know. Which yeah, people's are, sources yeah. are credible and which people are just speculative. But it was interesting because I started to then look at their roster and, you know, they don't have a lot of cap space. 
And maybe it is a legitimate possibility just because of the fact that they yeah. are tied up against it. I think they they would save, I think, $1.4 million if I'm not, if I'm not mistaken. I got to look that up. Um, let's do this because we have. I wanted to get some breaking news in on the Wild, and uh, I wanted to talk to you about the Wild survey that ran and the results that ran in The Athletic the other day. But let's just uh, first talk about some of the people that make this podcast go, the Sports Seats in the House podcast, which I think we should rebrand. I was telling Anthony before we should call it uh, Jinxes Aren't Real. Um, but Aquarius Home Services has been the uh, sponsor. It's been with us, uh, honestly, it feels like forever. And they are your complete uh, home service provider, your absolute one-stop shop. They're dedicated to providing the highest quality water treatment, plumbing, electrical, and cooling and heating services. Aquarius can take care of everything in your utility room for you, and their quality service is absolutely amazing. I could attest to that. Aquarius is highly rated in numerous online review formats, such as Google, Facebook, and Consumer Affairs. With their 100% performance guarantee, Aquarius is backed by the best material, product, and labor warranties in the business. Aquarius believes in earning the right to be recommended, which is why I do that every single week on this show. They're just a click away at AquariusHomeServices.com. And don't forget to mention Russo sent you. And Anthony, tell us about Moe's. Well, Moe's would have been a great place to go just a week or so ago <laughs> when they had the Robertson Cup up at the Fo up yeah. at Fogarty Arena in Blaine. Whatever's going on up there, Moe's is a great place to stop and grab some dinner, some lunch while you're up there for a hockey game or up there to see a curling match. They've got a great menu. They've got some good sandwiches, good burgers, great setup with TVs. So it'd be a great place to watch the Stanley Cup finals. But during throughout the summer, check it out. Catch a ball game on TV, and you won't be disappointed by the meal. It's a, don't think of it as sports bar food. It's good food at Moe's. This is Moe's Ice House at Fogarty Arena. And here's a word from Royal Credit Union. Open a smart checking account at Royal Credit Union and enjoy a $250 bonus. Royal Smart Checking has no monthly fees and no minimum balance requirement. See offer details and exclusions and open your account today at rcu.org slash checking bonus. Insured by NCUA. Back here, worst seats in the house, Mike Russo, Anthony LaPanta, coming to you during about three minutes into the second period of the Vegas-Dallas game. And uh, 3 nothing, uh, Vegas on top. Uh, looks like Vegas-Florida Stanley Cup final. Just like I predicted 18 years ago. I knew one day they'd play the imaginary Vegas Golden Knights. <laughs> right. Um, so, hey, uh, so breaking news. And uh, this is somebody that you actually probably know better than me. Um, but uh, but that's Brett McLean. Uh, you know, you get to deal with the coaching staff a lot more. It's sort of, I think you've probably golfed with them knowing you. Um, but Brett McLean will be named the fifth Iowa Wild coach on, on Tuesday morning. Um, taking over for Tim Army, who he got his coaching career, his first three years as an assistant coach, was with the Isle Wild uh, with uh, Tim Army at the helm. And, um, you know, he has long had aspirations to eventually become a head coach. This is a great opportunity for him with a bunch of prospects coming there in the next year or two. Obviously, we know about Beckman, Wa Rossi, and Walker there right now, but Kaden uh, Bankier coming in uh, this upcoming year and the potential of six first and second year defensemen. Yeah, I think it's a, it's a, if you have aspirations of being a head coach in the NHL, you almost always have to be a head coach in the American Hockey League first or be a head coach. You have to have head coaching experience. And I know for Brett, it, it wasn't an easy decision. His family loves it here and his kids love it here. And I know that's a, a part of what he had to weigh to, to make this decision. But from a career standpoint, it's an important job within the Wild organization, and it 
you don't have to look any further than the fact that they value it so much that they're willing to take one of their top assistants off their NHL staff to put him in that role instead to help develop that next wave of Minnesota prospects that are coming. And, you know, it's Brett, I, I really like him personally, and I think he has a, some of that makeup of a guy that you could see being a head coach. So I think from a career standpoint, this is a great move for Brett, and it'll be a, a hole that the Wild have to fill on their NHL staff for sure because he was a valuable piece of that staff. Yeah, just to show you how popular he was down there uh, when he was down in Iowa's first stint, uh, I cannot convey to you the number of virtual uh, former players of his down there that liked my tweet today, but I got three or four texts from uh, former Iowa Wild players today telling me how great of a move uh, this is going to be for the Iowa Wild organization and the Minnesota Wild eventually. Uh, by the way, uh, as you were talking there, um, a play-by-play guy in TV on one of the other 31 NHL teams out of the blue texts me, and I could count on like one hand the number of times he's ever texted me. It was, Mike, if Dallas buys out Suter, would there be any recapture ramifications for Minnesota? Uh, so uh, the answer to that is no, by the way. Um, but how funny is so that? So there that, just happened to be some other people wondering the same thing. Yeah, I don't think that you're the only one that's wondering if uh, Ryan Suter might be bought out by Dallas. Um, uh, back to uh, to that Iowa team. I mean, not only you know the D that I mentioned, the Kyle Masters and the David Spatchicks coming in, uh, but clearly um, the Wild have coming in in the next two years. They're going to have Hunter Hate. They're going to have Who's Not Enough. Who actually the Wild are hoping could actually go right to Minnesota and start his NHL career without even playing a minute in the minors when he comes in two years. But uh, Daniil Yurov um, and Liam Ogren as well. So th- this is an extremely important job. For the for uh for the organization to have a really good coach at the helm in Iowa, Anthony, that when this buyout pain goes away in two years, suddenly these guys are are advanced enough to graduate and come to Minnesota. Yeah, and don't think that his compatibility with Dean and Billy is a small part mm-hmm. of that. Now you know you've got a guy down there who knows exactly what's going on in the National Hockey mm-hmm. League, can help to prepare those guys, and it would be tough though. I. I thought about it a little bit after knowing that it was in the works and that once you're in the NHL to go back to the boss, go back to right. Even as a head coach, it's not an easy call to make. And there's no guarantee that if you go down there, that one, you will become an NHL head coach someday mm-hmm. Two, that if you decided you know what, I don't like riding the buses anymore, that there's a job waiting for you back in the NHL. I don't know if maybe Billy promised him that there would be. I have no idea. But there's no guarantee. Anytime you leave the NHL to go back to the American Hockey League, it's a. I don't think this would have been an easy decision to make. I don't think it was. I'm not positive that I could make that decision if I was in his shoes. Well, it it was not an easy decision. I mean, just to show you, this was offered to him a couple weeks ago, and it took him a while to make up that mind. One, he's entrenched in the youth community down, you know, in Edina and and the youth hockey community and things like that. Um, But I, I, I would agree with you from the standpoint that you know, you just don't know. But the one thing is that if you look at the history of, of you know, the Jared Bednors and the um, the Sheldon Keefs, if you do well in the minors, you have definitely an ability to eventually get back up here and be a, an NHL head coach. 
Um, but you know, that was what was always impressive to me about like a guy like Alex Tanga, you know, the fact that he was this great, great NHL hockey player and he was willing to go be an assistant in Iowa because he's aspirations to eventually be a head coach in the NHL. And maybe he gets that opportunity now with a team like Calgary, uh, who he's been interviewing for and things like that. But, um, but it's not an easy decision, but I will say one thing. He's got more job security as the head coach down there right now in year one than he does being an assistant coach here in year four or whatever it was going to be for him. I mean, that that is just a fact. Uh, this coaching staff is going to enter next season on the hot seat, the entire staff. Um, and again, two years left on their deals. And, um, you know, I really genuinely believe that Bill Guerin was thought long and hard about maybe making further changes here to the assistant coaching staff. And back to your original uh, thing that you said, Anthony, is that now um, there is a job open on the wild assistant coaching staff. And this is going to be an important hire as well. It can't be something that is just immediately uh, you just say, Hey, that's the guy we like, and we're going to go interview him. I think they should make a, you know, have a big time search here. Um, see who comes out of the woodworks here, even in the next month. Um, as maybe further coaches wind up on, on the unemployment line and, and make a quality decision to get some help here uh, from a structure standpoint and special team standpoint. Yeah, and I have no idea who might be on that list for mm -hmm. the Wild at this point. Obviously, they couldn't get too far down that road until they knew what was going to happen with the Iowa situation. But it depends on what kind of coach you're looking for, too, and to bring in. And I wouldn't be surprised if... If I was Billy now and I knew that I had an opening on my staff, would you be looking for a guy? I can't imagine you'd be looking for a guy that didn't have some kind of special teams background, somebody that was a yeah. a power play specialist or at the very least a power play player How in their day. How about a Hall of Fame or, defenseman that lives locally in Stillwater? That could be one. He's unemployed. Yeah, and it, I mean, I just... Talking I, about Phil Housley. Right, I, I just think there's... Uh, and who knows how I don't know what any of the personalities are and how they how they might mesh with Billy or Dean and who might have some uh, they, who they may have a connection yeah. to already. One, one I have name no that idea. Keeps on, it, yeah, I, I, can't, I mean, there are obviously there are really good assistant coaches out there right now. I mean, you could hire John Trochetti. You could, uh, you know, Mike Van Ryan. One name that I'm going to be interested in here in the next week or so is John Hines. Like right now, he is still the head coach of Nashville. But there's lots of talk out there that Barry Trotz has been talking to other potential people to take over that team now. And if that is the case, and say John Hines, it's maybe too late in the game to get his, like, you know, all of a sudden to be up for a team like the Rangers or a team like uh, Washington or Columbus or Calgary, um, it's, you know, Toronto could have an opening, Pittsburgh could have an opening, Ottawa could have an opening, depending on what happens with GM's owners, things like that. Um, you know, if John Hines is available, he is extremely close with Bill Guerin, is a very structured coach. The only thing that I do wonder is if John Hines was available, if Billy would feel that putting him in that role as an assistant or associate coach would be, you know, cutting the legs out from Dean Evason because everybody would think that Dean, that John people, Hines right. was Dean Evison, like what Dean Evison was, was to Bruce, Bruce. That's exactly yeah. what I was going to say. Is yeah. Some people thought that's why Dean yeah. was here in the first place. And even though it turned out to be that, I don't really think that's why he was brought in there. Mm -hmm. That's what I mean when I say compatibility, that there's some really quality coaches out there right now that don't have jobs. Yeah. And 
we'll see. You don't know where some of those guys will land, and some of those guys for sure still have head coaching aspirations. There's a lot of moving movement going on right now in the NHL, and, and even above that, look at the general manager jobs yeah. that, that have to be filled. So once those get filled, there might be changes on any of those yeah. staffs. So you just don't know how all that's going to work And that's why out. I even brought up Pittsburgh, because if Dubas goes there, there's a lot of people that think that Sheldon Keefe would then get fired in Toronto by the new GM. And then if that was the case, would Keefe come to Pittsburgh? I have trouble believing that, that at this stage Mike Sullivan – who's extremely close reportedly with uh, the Fenway ownership group there in Pittsburgh that, that, uh, that he would lose his job. But if that was the case, you know, now there's just, as you mentioned, moving parts where, you know, st staff members are going to suddenly be without a job. And, and that's one reason why it makes no sense to get ahead of this. You know, you could have a pool of candidates now, but that pool could grow in just a week or two. If, if a John Hines or somebody loses right. his could job grow and, or it yeah. could shrink. Yep, exactly. Um, well, interesting stuff. I, I'm excited for Brett McLean. I don't really know him well, um, but uh, seems like an absolutely awesome dude. Um, you know, owns a brewery slash bowling alley in, in Kelowna where he was a great, great hockey player. He was somebody that I really liked his NHL career a lot. He, you know, uh, good wheels, great intellect, um, you know, uh, shorthanded at times, was outstanding on the PK. Um, it felt it felt like when he played for Florida, there were a couple times he got breakaways against the Wild. Um, so good for him. Uh, excited for Brett McLean. Yeah, I think it's a great opportunity for him. And wish I could remember. I got to think of the name of the bar we visited a couple times in New York that was owned by a friend of his from the Canada. Canuck, right? The Canuck. Yeah. That's exactly what it was. Yeah. And we ended up we ended up getting the the Islander. So we did a writer. feature for that right. on the athletic Kevin Cruz. And right. it was because was of just you guys say. going I, there. Yeah, I told, and I told him to go there. Right. And so the, uh, we had, we had a couple good nights there. It's a great spot. And that's right. I did. I told Kevin, it's to, a great spot to go and hang yeah. out there for a night and watch hockey. And he ended up writing about it, which it is great. That was, the, those were, might have been the only eh, yeah we had a couple other nights but those two nights I had a chance to hang out and chat with Brett at length and he really is a tremendous yeah guy I there. during that uh, the Rangers Lightning series Eastern Conference final last year I hung out the Canucks almost every night with the Sportsnet crew the David Ambers and all those guys Ray Ferraro and all of them all right so um all right next let's see what else is going on uh, nothing going on with Ryan Reeves right now uh, they're they're letting this sort of percolate and. Um, you, you know, they they want him back at a certain price and term. He probably wants a little more. So we'll see where that heads. Uh, the one that is struggle right now is Philip Gustafson, Anthony. Um, they are having trouble getting him signed. And I do think there's going to come a point where they're just going to have to say to his agent, Kurt Overhart, you got three choices, right? Arbitration, where we'll just go for a one-year award or a two-year award. Um Here's a one-year deal. Here's a three-year deal. Those are your three choices. Take it or leave it. There might come a point where Billy's got to, you know, make the call to Philip Gustafson. That's obviously within the rules. Um, but there's just look. There's there is a max the Wild one are willing to give a goaltender that could be a one-hit wonder. But two, they have they don't have a lot of cap space. I mean, there's this is not something that you could just, you know. Here's six million, and we'll count the rest and figure it out. I mean, this is right. there is a max I, amount I of money. I think Billy, my guess would be, I haven't talked to him specifically about the Gus situation, but my guess would be he's. I don't think he's going to be very forgiving if the Gustafson camp decides to play hardball. 
I just don't. I think he's look you and and I don't say this to diminish what Philip Gustafson achieved this year because he had a terrific year. But he wasn't the number one goalie for an entire NHL season. He hasn't proven he can be a 55-ish game guy in the NHL for a full season. He clearly was, I shouldn't say that, he, he wasn't clearly, but he was the second best goalie in the playoff series against Dallas, meaning that Ottinger was the guy who won the series for Dallas. So I think you'd look at it and say, look, I'm not about to sell the farm to make sure you have what you want. We're going to, I believe in you. I'd like you to be a part of our franchise. I think you can be a big part of what we got going here, but we got to see more before we're going to back ourselves into a corner with the limited cap space that we have and basically give every nickel we have to you. We're not ready to do that. Yeah. Nor should they be. Yeah. Three and a half. That, that to me seems like the, the, the sweet spot number. And that's way more than I ever thought he would have the ability to get. But he had, to his credit, an unbelievably good year. You can't argue with the fact that he was the second best goaltender statistically in the NHL. And coincidentally, the two biggest disappointments in the playoffs, one was Mark, and two was him. Well, and he had a terrific year, but I'd caution the term like a great year or an incredible year because it was basically half a year. Mm -hmm. He was the backup goalie until Christmas time. And was shielded, I felt, in who he he got the easier of the draws. When you'd look at the week schedule, it would be, all right, the, the toughest opponent we have is this. Marc-Andre Fleury's going to get that start. And then Gus will get this team on the second of a back-to-back. And it, there was a lot of that going on early in the year. Then he grabbed the reins. He took over the deal. He won the number one job without a doubt. And statistically, he was terrific. And I'd even say beyond... Statistically, I just think he was really good. He was he was he, he was terrific. It was more than statistically, but it was only half a season. So I, I I think until you show it for a longer period than that, it's hard to expect a team to say we're gonna we're just gonna bust the bank to make this work. Especially when you have Wallstead and the Myers. I mean, that's what a, that's the other you know really I don't want to say complicated, but that's the other like issue here is that you don't like, look, we have the, you have the known quantity in Philip Gustafson and you have still the hope guy in Jesper Wallstadt, but the hope guy is still the guy that they believe is the goalie of the future. So you can't go out and give five years to Philip Gustafson. You know, to me, three is the perfect term. Um, you know, you, one year with flurry, then two years with Wallstead, and then maybe Wallstead's ready to take over, or by then you're going to learn enough about Wallstead that you say, no, Philip Gustafson is the guy, and we're going to use the other as an asset. Right. I mean, you know, I, I just think that's the other, you know, really thing that's that's sort of complicating this whole thing, which to Gustafson's side, um, and remember, Gustafson has basically said to his agent, you're the boss, you tell you call me when I got to sign something. So this is, you know, but their side knows that as well. So his, the agent's job is also to maximize um, the, the value of somebody that it might not be in the long, long, long-term future of this wild team. His job is to get the best possible contract at the perfect time for nothing Vegas. By the and way. the tough part in this for the franchise is that goaltenders are probably the hardest position 
to accurately assess at this young point in a career. Right. You could look at a defenseman who jumped in and became a top pair defenseman for the last half of a season and say, yep, we got a pretty good idea what we have here. With goaltending, you just don't know. And the same goes for Wallstead. By all standards, he's as sure a bet as there as you could have in the American Hockey League right now in terms of goaltenders that will someday be NHL starters and potentially NHL stars. But even that's not a given. It's not an absolute certainty. And I just think Gustafson is a lot less than a certainty as a guy who you could count on to be a number one for the next three, four, five years. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, you know, this is just a typical negotiation but I do think that, you know, there is going to have to come a point, especially as we get closer to the draft where, you know, it's not take or leave it, but where Billy basically is like, here, here, we're at the end of negotiations. Here's your three options. Go for take for one, you know, because uh, this could be the second in three years uh, club elected arbitration, which is very big rarity in the NHL. And we know the last time the wild uh, elected club arbitration where that went, that went with a uh, that went with a one year deal for Fiala and a trade. Uh, soon after. Um, in a bit, let's get to Twitter questions. And I want to talk to you about the survey that Joe Smith and I put together in The Athletic. But uh, uh, it's, is it springtime or summer right now? I think Memorial Day is the official start of summer. Okay, it's summer. The weather is beautiful out, although I think it's supposed to rain the rest of the week. Um, we'll call it the summer selling season is here. See, I'm editing all the copy as we get to this. Uh, skip this summer cleaning and get straight to the summer selling. I'm changing all that to spring. I'm, I'm working well on my feet here. Be proactive and take action today, even if you're not quite ready to sell your home, so you can be better informed and ready to move forward when the time is right. More people are moving again as interest rates have stabilized. Sell your home stress-free with a guaranteed offer from Chris Lindahl Real Estate. There are no showings, no decluttering, no repairs, and no stress. It's easy to sell your home, they keep you in control so you can sell your home fast. You can pick your closing date and move when it's convenient for you. To find out what your guaranteed offer is, cash offer, I should say, uh, just go to chrislindahl.com. There's no obliga obligation. Again, chrislindahl.com or call 763-401-SOLD. Close with confidence and start packing. Terms and conditions apply. Tell us about Kowalski's. Time of year to start firing up the grill as we make the turn into what's officially summertime. And as always, when it's time to grill, I got to go visit Kowalski's. Lately, the steak and fish counter has been terrific. It never disappoints. But I always talk about some other little area in there, in the Kowalski's under their umbrella. And I'll say that it's a great spot to stop. And on your way out the door, don't forget the flowers. Their flowers are terrific. And we've got a good red, white, and blue mix to celebrate Memorial Day weekend here right now that it can just keep you in good graces at home. It's the best way to make sure that you got all the right ingredients, you got all the right food for a great meal, but now you need the centerpiece. So don't be afraid to visit their little flower area. Kowalski's, you can't miss. Here's a word from Bosch Law Firm. Hey, hockey fans, Jerry Bosch here again from Bosch Law Firm and WorkCompExperts.com. If you're injured at work, it's never too soon to contact the lawyers and awesome staff at Bosch Law Firm. We'll answer all your questions, help you set up your work comp claim, and help you select professionals who will be there to help you, not the insurance company. And with almost 30 years of litigation experience, if your benefits are denied, we'll fight to get you paid. Bosch Law Firm. The call's always free and there's never a fee unless we obtain benefits on your your behalf. Call or text us at 651 333 
8300 or visit us at workcompexperts.com. All right, before we get to Twitter questions, uh, <clears throat> Anthony, uh, let's talk about this um, this survey results thing that that uh, we put together the other day, Joe Smith and myself. And we've done this, what, I've done this three or four years in a row, maybe maybe even longer, where you just ask a bunch of questions and and uh, see what the fans think. Did you and ask any questions about the beat writer? Uh, we did not. Actually, we did at the end. We asked what type of coverage uh, fans want. Uh, they want more prospect stories from Anthony, from uh, Joe and myself. Where he, where uh, one disappointing thing was that the last. So we had all these options. What would you like to see in wild coverage? One was Joe Smith karaoke night. Another option was me being nicer to people on Twitter. That finished last. Like to me, that was the biggest. Like, like, like. No brainer. I thought that was going to finish first. I I'm sure they thought it was a joke. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah, that's true. It's like I was going to be able to live up to it. But only 7.2% of people said that I should be nicer to people on Twitter, that that's what they would want more of next season. So I feel like I've got to almost like, like dial it up a little more and be a little meaner to people or something. Yeah, I think that would be a good ticket for you. Just make sure you spend more time reading the comments just so you can get your blood pressure up. So my favorite thing about this is that the number four answer that fans want more of is analytics. So I'm, I'm safe there. Yeah, well, somebody you'd have to hire a guy to explain them to you. That's true. I have you. All right. So let's go to the beginning. One, uh, all right. So one question was: Philip Gustafson finished 2022-23 season with the second best goals against average and save percentage in the NHL. How worried are you um, about being able to resign him? People are somewhat worried. Thirty-eight point seven percent. Not worried at all. All thirty-seven point eight percent. If they don't, they don't, and we'll react accordingly. That's my favorite one. Nineteen point six percent and very worried. Three point nine percent. Four percent of people are very worried about the Gustafson contract. Yeah, so it seems like some of the people might not have understood the question, perhaps. But I, I think it's, it's gonna. It, they'll figure it out, and I just don't think Philip Gustafson has enough leverage or enough of a track record here to go out and really cause major problems. Yeah. Um, all right. If the Wild, by the way, if you haven't been able to tell, my migraine is is. Uh, out of control right now. But, um, but I think part of it, uh, so the other day on the plane, I like sliced my entire like finger here open and I couldn't go to the like emergency room, Anthony, because I was stuck were, in like, you were in an it was airplane? like first half hour of a four, four and a half minute flight to Fort Lauderdale. So they gave you a bandaid and said, you'll oh my be fine. God. <laughs> you would not believe like this thing, how it was just gushing well, blood. So number one, it, you're on a plane. Mm-hmm. How'd I do it? Yes. So I went to the bathroom uh, and I was uh, washing my hands. And, you know, in on Delta, they got the like metal, like the lid of the garbage can. Yeah. The spring was broken. So when I put my hands in to throw the paper towel out, the thing freaking, I mean, just came down like you wouldn't even imagine on my fingers. Like a I, th I, I it was thought like, I, it was like an anvil let's fell put from the way. sky. I thought I, I, it took every ounce of me not to scream and curse in the bathroom and uh it was on fire so i like immediately rub it into my shirt not thinking that it was at all like anything happened i just thought i jam like you know the thing came down <laughs> then i looked down at my shirt my i'm wearing a dress shirt with a sports coat on this plane blood 
all over my shirt. I mean, all over. And then I look at my hand, and I didn't know how many fingers it was. And then I, <laughs> then I come out of the, <laughs> the bathroom, and I look at the flight attendant, and she looked at me in, like, horror, like I was shot or something in the bathroom. It really reminded me of the airplane scene where, the you know, they're shaving in the bathroom during the <laughs> thing, and it comes yeah, out, yeah. and it's just blood everywhere. And, you know, like, it, it, it was airplane, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Huh. So throwing away a paper towel caused a major finger injury. <laughs> yes. Yeah. A major injury. Put it on your I, serious injury the, list. The best part, and I had to write, I can't remember what I had to write on this plan, but I slacked my editor right away. I'm like, I just sliced my finger open. I'm not writing today. Because <laughs> I'm like bleeding profusely. I got band-aids that are just flowing out of it. I'm getting it all over my laptop. And you should have seen the guy next to me. I was sitting in uh, 4B, 4C, not to brag, but... uh it should have been one C, but, uh, the guy in 4D looked at me like I was absolutely like got stabbed in that like two minutes that I left. So my this, seat. Uh, this started with that. I should be able to tell that your migraine was running wild. I don't, I think that, uh, the reason why I brought this up, I don't know why I brought this up, but I think I brought it up because for a while I was so convinced that that lid had to be so dirty that every time I felt like crap in Florida, I'm like, I think I got something in my like embedded, like maybe I got to, <laughs> Mark, you're going to love this. My mom goes to me, when was your last tetanus shot? I'm like, I didn't puncture myself with a nail. So anyway. All right. So back to the original statement where you said, in case you, I'm sure you can tell my migraines running wild. Yeah, it's uh, I just because can't a week keep my ago you hurt your finger throwing away a paper towel. I don't know towel. what's going on. I feel loopy right now. I've uh, had so many like excedrins and uh, Motrins and prescription drugs today. It's not even funny. All right, um, but I did get a really good, really fun Florida Panthers feature written finally, and that'll run on tomorrow's Athletic. Also coming in the Athletic this week. I'm doing a feature on Eric Stahl, a feature on Brandon Montour, who's a fascinating guy. I really enjoyed my sit-down with him the other day. Did a sit-down with Paul Maurice the other day, and then I got a huge, huge uh, Liam McHugh profile that's going to run this week as well. All right, if the Wild were to trade Gustafson's rights, what kind of return would you expect? All right, 33.5% think a top-six center. That one made me laugh because I don't think there's any way. 24.2% a high draft pick, 22.5% a top prospect, 12.1% another goalie, and 7.7% a rugged defenseman. I don't know what made me put that as a the um, as an option there. Um, somebody asked me today if like they can get like Clayton Keller from I almost choked. Um, somebody else also like Elias Lindholm from like you know first of all they have Markstrom. Um, well, yeah, I would trade him for Clayton Keller. Yeah, I would too. Um, <laughs> I'd trade him for Matthew Kachuk yeah. too. Uh, that's, yeah, Connor McDavid. Um, what do you think there? I mean, top six center just seems the, out. Yeah, no way. I'd say either a prospect center. or a top pick. Yeah. and Second I, round pick. But I, yeah, probably. I mean, yeah. maybe a prospect and a second round pick you might be able to get for him. I, I, I think a lot depends on... I, well, there's so many unknown situations right now with goaltending, as we were talking earlier about the guys that have suddenly emerged in these playoffs. That's changed a lot in the goaltending landscape for next year already. But look, I mean, you're not going to get a proven top six center f- 
for this for a guy who's been a number one goalie for a half a year. Correct. Yeah. Uh, last year at this time, 45% of you felt Marco Rossi would be a Calder Trophy contender in 22-23, and 48% felt he would have growing pains early but take late strides. As we know, he was not ready at the start and basically didn't get another opportunity to prove himself despite nearly a point a game in the minors. What do you expect from him next season? 52.4% a lineup regular, 28.8% think that he'll be shuttling between Iowa and Minnesota, 9.4% think traded this offseason, only 6.6% think impactful player, and 2.7% uh, say don't make doesn't make the team. Um, lineup regular, 52.4%, do you buy it? Yeah, I think it'll be a lineup regular, and but that almost goes hand in hand with an impactful player because of the type of player he is. So if he's a lineup regular, he almost has to be an impactful player because I don't think he'll be a lineup regular if he's playing on the fourth line. I think if he's, if, if that's where he landed, I wouldn't be surprised if it was a back and forth season again for him with some time in Iowa. But I would just be really surprised. I thought, did you watch him much in the world championships? Not really. I mean, just highlights. He had the one coast-to-coast goal against Hungary that looked like, uh, they look like, um, they, I was going to, they look like a person that was on our trips that will, will be named, will have nameless. When we were in Budapest last year, I remember he got hammered at that one really cool bar we were in, and then he was walking back to the hotel and at smashed night. Smashed into the glass. Yeah, that was the that the way that their defense looked. It looked like him walking home. So in other okay. words, not a real representative yeah. team that he that went was a coast different coast. guy than the guy that smashed into the glass. No, no, yeah, I'm talking about uh, somebody on our trip the first yeah. night that maybe had about twenty five uh, gin yeah. and tonics. Yeah, it's. Needed to be escorted home, I remember. <laughs> yeah, that's um, the defense yeah. that Marco Rossi and, had to go through that. And I, that play, for sure, maybe got glorified a little because of the fact that, you're right, who they were playing against. But I thought he was good. I didn't watch... I didn't watch a ton of it, yeah. but I watched a little bit and it and looked at some of the numbers and it seemed like... It seemed like he, it was good for him to at least be on the score sheet and and be involved. And now, as we've talked before, this is a very important summer for him, but I also would be really surprised if it wasn't a very productive summer for him. So we'll see. I I just think it's way too early to be speculating on whether or not it's time to give up on this guy. He's really young. He's really even younger than his age because of what he missed and – Let's just wait and see what happens this year. Yeah, just so you know that. Uh, <laughs> just so you know that how uh, Pierre LeBrun thinks this game is over. He just texted me during the podcast, booking everything right now for Vegas. So uh, we've been sort of in like this holding pattern. Had to change like fifteen things the other night when they forced a game six. Um, all right, the Wild have projected eight point one million in salary cap space if the cap increases by a mil. Should they use some of that to re-sign Ryan Reeves? Sixty-three percent of people say no. Thirty-seven point two say yes. So they're sort of, um, you know, I think people respect the game that Reeves brought and value him in the locker room. They just feel like the money could be used a little more wisely. But yeah, if look, the if Wild Matt weren't not that here, ca- if the Wild weren't this tight up against the cap. It's a no-brainer to bring him back. I agree. And because of how tight they are against the cap, in my opinion, it has to be a very small deal in order to to get the value that you'd get from him inside the room and as a leader and all that kind of stuff. 
I just think if if you weren't in a spot where you had to be fourteen million under the cap, give Ryan Reeves two million bucks and 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 you'd have a good player for that. But they're really tight, and I, I yeah. think that's I think that might be a hair high. Yeah, and I just uh, you know I get look Bill Guerin has a lot of respect for him. I think that he is genuine worry about what that locker room is going to be like energy wise and and vocal uh, wise for lack of a better term, um, without Matt Dumba there. And if all of a sudden you take Reeves out, it's like then you have Zuccarello and Felino and what else in terms of like, you know, somebody speaking up in the locker room. I think that Reeves brings that energy. Um, and obviously, uh, most importantly, a great quote. Uh, Kalen Addison went from K- uh, Calder Trophy contender at midseason to persona non grata in the second half. Do you think the Wild would regret trading him? 54.8% say you don't give up 22-year-old defenseman, Anthony. 31.7% say no, he's too much of a defensive liability. Then there's some other stuff too. Um, so 55% think that it would be a mistake to trade him. 32% are say that, you know, see what the Wild feel. Yeah, I think it's... I think it's probably too early to give up on the guy, but I also think if you're Minnesota just with what your prospect base is right now and what how many defensemen you have in the NHL already, that it, there almost has to be a deal and maybe two deals that involve defensemen leaving. And I just have a feeling that there might be some team out there that sees – more upside in Kalen Addison that would be willing to give a deal that's of value. I don't think it's at the point where you just just take whatever we can get for him and get rid of him. 100%. But I, I think some team might say, hey, look, we need a – we can roll the dice on a guy who's a, an offensive-minded defenseman who might not be a the – utmost reliability in our own zone but we can we need a spark on our power play and we can afford to take that shot yeah you know who could afford to take that shot minnesota because (laughs) they made that decision with john klingberg and man uh anyway um dean evison uh you could tell who wrote this one by the way i'll just read you the question dean evison has failed to coach the wild past the first round uh four consecutive seasons yet has coached them to consecutive 100 point regular seasons with quote one hand tied behind his back what's your confidence level that he can get the wild over the hump had to do that so 42 percent of the people here actually are totally like bought into what bill Guerin's selling that 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 he can only do so much with 15 million in dead money so um so uh, there you go. Um, uh, yeah, I think if you just if you take the he- the coach or the coaching staff, it isn't their fault that they are twelve million or fourteen million underneath the cap. But yet, if you you're around Dean all the time, he's never brought that up as an excuse ever. He's never brought up anybody being injured as an excuse. He, it's just, look, they're NHL players. Just go play. Next mm-hmm. guy, step up. Let's go play. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm not saying they shouldn't be held accountable for areas of concern and that there were flaws in, in the way they handled things, flaws maybe in game plans and line combos and all that kind of stuff. But the reality is they're at 100 points again this year an absolute lock playoff team, and they it's two years in a row they've done it with having to be this far underneath the cap. That's that's amazing. Think about yep. add $12 million worth of players to that roster and then say, all right, now go take a shot. 
And and where we really saw it, so he gets them the 100 points the second year in a row, where we really saw it was when he was with one hand tied behind his back in the playoffs. Right. They ran into depth problems, and their their answer was put Sam Steele in the lineup. Add two $6 million yeah. players yep. to your arsenal and say, all right, now I'll go take a shot. Yeah. Uh, which one of these core players would you be most open to trading? This was interesting. So the answers are uh, Felino, Zuccarello, Spurgeon, Hartman, and Brodeen. Uh, 53.2% thought Felino. Um, I think part of it last year of his deal is up there in age, coming off a tough season. Um, but he was number one on the list. I think 212 said Zuccarello next. 35 years old, but very, very important to Kaprizov. And obviously Spurgeon and Brodeen have no move clauses. Spurge is at 14.5%. Rodin at 1.7%, and then Hartman at 9.4% makes no sense. 1.7 million, uh, you know, uh, bargain. Where you've, else you get yeah, one. Those are the options. Yep. It, it yeah, has to be Felino, Felino or yeah. Zuccarello, and and probably Felino only because of the f- connection that Zuccarello has. And you're a, a team that was a little starved to score goals anyway, yep. so it's hard to take away an offensive-minded guy. I believe Felino will have a bounce back year this year. The year before, aberration's a strong word because it makes it sound like it was a fluke. And it wasn't really a fluke. It was just that he wound up on a perfect line with Erickson Eck and Greenway, a line that looked like they were just made to play together. And when those three weren't together, it took all of them a while to find their stride. And for Erickson Eck, it came a little quicker, partially because it was power play time and and frankly was playing in a role with expanded ice time with some more skilled players. But for Greenway and Felino, they struggled all year mm-hmm. to, to find their game and find their niche like they had had the year before. I think it's really likely that Felino land somewhere between what this last year was and what the year before was next year. And they'll find a fit for him. I just don't think it's ever likely that it's going to be as magical as it was the year that that grief line had. Yep. This surprised me. Number 11 in reality though, which player do you most expect to be traded this off season? 55.6% say Alex Golgoski. Absolutely. I would agree with that. Um, The next one was 32.9% thought Brandon Duham. That would shock me. Um, and only 7.7% had Kalen Addison. So that's just uh, a little bit surprising. I'd, I'd flip those. Um, let me see if there's any other interesting ones here. Uh, which prospect not named Wallstad are you most excited about? 35% say Murat Huznadinov, uh, who will be here in two years. 16.8% say Ogren. 15.3% say Yurov. And the scouts I talked to um, believe that he actually could be the better of the three. Uh, the best of the three, uh, 13.8% Sammy Walker, 10.6% Marco Rossi. So fifth on the list, <laughs> how far things have changed. Huh? Yeah, and he's below and Sammy Walker. I, I, I really like Sammy Walker, and I think he's got a chance to be a contributing player in the NHL, but yep. Marco Rossi still could be a top six player in the NHL. I don't think Sammy Walker yep. is likely to, to fit there long term couple uh, more questions, and then we're going to wrap up the podcast. This is where, to me, it shows that Bill Guerin, um, you know, really uh, his messaging to the fans that they, one, it's been clear and succinct, but they buy it. 
um, is after hearing Garen insinuate that the Wild won't be true cup contenders until the Zach Parisian and uh, Ryan Suter buyout penalties are largely off the books in 2025-26, you still agree with the 2021 decision to buy them out? 73% say yes. Yeah, so there I you would go. think it should be ninety. Should be ninety-seven percent. Yeah, yeah, I, you know, but you do get what I mean. Like, right. you know, four straight, you know, first-round exits, two in a row without Parisian Suter. For them, for the fans, still to largely believe that this was the right move to get the team to the next level, I just still think it is a bit surprising. Um, and similarly, um, how would you rate Bill Guerin's performance? say satisfied, 42.7% say excellent. So 92.7% are between excellent and satisfied. Um, Only 1% say disappointed, only 5.9% say so-so. So So, uh, still, in Billy, we trust with the fan base. Yeah, and I think it's interesting. I've... You know how much I listen to or read other media outlets in town, and but there have been a few that have been starting to question that and saying things like, well, why is everybody just accept it? Why are people okay with losing in the first round of the playoffs? And I was with some hockey friends recently and I said, you know, it's not a, it's not a given, but let's just assume it was what Minnesota hockey fans have enjoyed over these last 11 seasons is going to the playoffs every year every year but one. And that's not the norm. There's nobody in the league that's been to the playoffs more often over that stretch. And if the trade-off was to absolutely bottom out for a four- or five-year span in hopes that you get a couple of years where you're picking in the top three or four where there's a franchise player available in those in those years, or absolutely make no qualms about your attempts to tank like what Chicago pulled this year. Think of what the fans would be saying if that was the case and how much they'd be, how much some of these other media members might be complaining about who's going to buy a ticket for this. They're still charging us this amount of money to go to these games. And so, but the question I pose to them is let's just say that you knew if you were terrible for five years, out of the playoffs, never a contender, knew it for five seasons in a row that there was no way you're going to make the playoffs. But you knew then that after that you were going to have, let's say, two years where you were going to be a factor in the playoffs. So I don't want to say win a cup because that's unfair, but let's even say a deep run, a conference final a couple of years in a row. Would you take it? And it was a legitimate – I meant it as a legit question because for me – I would rather have the team that's competitive every single year and there's excitement around the building. You're in a playoff hunt down the stretch. You're in a playoff series every year and you win one every once in a while. And one of these years, you're going to, some of the breaks are going to go your way and you make a run. But you can't fault somebody for saying, I'd rather, I'd rather be terrible for five years. But if you were terrible for five years, would you still be following the team? Mm-hmm. Would you still be buying a ticket to go to the games? Mm-hmm. Would you still be paying the prices that it would you still be buying jerseys? Would you because you'd be saying, I believe in the plan, let's be terrible, let's bottom out, let's get our teeth kicked in for five years, because then we're gonna get lucky and get the win the lottery when this guy's available. I just don't think I don't think that's legit. I don't think that's 
I don't think fans really understand. And that's why I don't think it's surprising that the fans don't feel that way. It's some of the questions are being asked, like, why are fans okay with going to the playoffs every year and then saying it wasn't a failure? Well, it's because they enjoy the competitiveness. They enjoy the playoff race. They enjoy a playoff series at home. Well said. Uh, a couple of Twitter questions. Wild Boys wants to know, if, is LaPanta's thoughts on Ben finally changed? LOL. <laughs> no. Look, it was a cheap shot. And he got suspended for two games, justifiably so. What I've always said about Jamie Ben is I have a ton of respect for him as a player. I love the way he plays the game. He's the leader of that team. He's the heart and soul of that team. It was a stupid play, and he paid a steep price for it. You can't have your leader do that. I think he, not that he had many lessons to learn yet at this point in his career, but it was a it was a bad mistake. But, no, I still have a lot of respect for him as a player and, and as a leader in that locker room. Jay Murda goes, uh, what's with the success of the Southern markets lately? I know you guys have touched on it before, but better weather with no pressure from the fans to win a cup really make that much difference to ice, to the ice for players. Um, I mean, I don't, I don't buy that, but uh, I will tell you, it is, it's unreal that that team is in the Stanley Cup Finals right now. Like, I, kn- I know that right now we're between series and it starts in the West, so I wouldn't expect a ton of media to flock to South Florida. But this week when I was at practice after they won the East – it's like four people and like me and the NHL.com writer. That's it. Right. And the re- the other four people are, you know, broadcasters. And like it, it's like hard to buy that this is a Stanley Cup final now until we get to media day on Friday. Well, and and I'll go take it one step further. I, I have a hard time being excited for their fan base because there is no fan base. We've been down there for – how many games when that arena has been a third full, maybe a half full for games. And now when you, now they're in the finals and the, the place is packed and they're showing celebrities in the building and all these fans going bonkers. And you're like, look, I don't know. I bandwagon fans have always been hard for me to take where they start to act like they've been big Panther fans forever where the hell have they been for the last 10 years? Because we've been down there. There has not been a, a, an arena with less atmosphere than that building, I'd say, for the last yeah. well, 10 first seasons. First of all, it, it was built way too big. I mean, it seats over 20. Right. But, I, I mean, agree with all that. Part of it also is the stupidity of building that club right behind. They have an enormous club right behind, uh, built into the lower bowl, where the cameras face. So a lot, a lot of times it looks a lot less than there was really in the crowd. No, but I'm saying we've two, been there and yeah. you know, there aren't anybody, there's nobody yeah. in the building. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I've, I've seen worse. And the only thing I'll say is like what you were saying before about the wild, you know, take that times 20 with the right. freaking no, I'm, I'm not saying like that they've they, given these fans right. no reason to show exactly. up. But that, and that's what I'm saying would happen. Yeah. I, if you do that here, XL Energy Center is not going to be full, maybe the first year, but you go five years in a row of being a bottom-of-the-barrel team saying our plan is to bottom out so that we can get the superstar players at the top of the draft. And I just think in Florida it's been, yeah, they've been lousy, but the fan base hasn't, they haven't weathered the storm with them. Now maybe, you never know, maybe this run 
captivates some people down there and and that carries over into next year. I hope so because yeah, I do too. It's but it I have very low expectations cuz you look at some other like Carolina it was a dead fan base. They've changed it there and it's exciting in that building now. And they haven't made a run to a cup final yet, but they've got a team that's exciting and the fan base has captured it. It's that building's full and loud and raucous now. And it used to be like you felt like you were going to NC State's basketball arena to watch a yeah. hockey game. And well, now they, it's they've different. Had, they've been able to build generations of fans down there since they got there in the late 90s. Uh, you know, and they go to the Stanley Cup final in 2002. They go to the Stanley Cup final and win it in 2006. They had success that allows they you did, until but, you have generations of fans yeah, being able to. But I'm saying, even five, six years right. ago, remember when we'd go down there and it was empty. Right. And maybe ten, maybe eight years ago, it was empty. Yeah. Well, and Victor it was, Rask was their number one right, center. And it was dead. But they've changed it now. They've captured their fan base. And I know that a lot of it, you know, was the players with their. Little the the deal the hurricane deal what do they call it again the way the, after they win the games the oh they got rid of that the storm the storm, storm whatever yeah. it was and but that got fans excited yeah. and that was a part of it anyway and the team being good helped but their fans are now into it and when you go there it feels legit like they're out tailgating before the game and it's a big deal um, storm surge there you go yeah all I did was storm go- chasers I thought it was but. yeah. All I did was Google Carolina Hurricane Storm thing, and it came up. Um, by the way, I had, I had Ray Whitney on my athletic hockey show last week. Really fun interview if you haven't uh, heard it. Last question of the pod. Uh, Anthony, what is your top three golf courses in Minneapolis, St. Paul? I know that you don't golf enough, uh, according to Margo. Um, and what's your favorite course of all time? Ooh. Well, I haven't played a ton of the elite courses around the country yet because I really just started to get back into golf, I'd say, eight eight years ago or so. So uh, the best course I ever played was the Royal Port Rush Club in Northern Ireland, but I played it 30 years ago. It's on the British Open rotation, and it was really cool. So that's the best course I've ever played. In the cities, I, I'm an Eastern Metro guy, so I know there are some other courses down in the Southwest that are really good, but my top ones on the east side are Stone Ridge is my probably my favorite public course. I love Loggers Trail. They for what it, it, the bang for the buck is the best in the cities. The Royal Club, I love the course. I don't like the greens, but the greens are true, a little gimmicky. But I love the the course layout, and they really work hard at it. So I'd say those three are probably the three I play most often. And I, in fact, I haven't played Stone Ridge yet this year, but. Uh, the I'd say Loggers Trail and the Royal are the two I play the most, and Stoner is probably right up there. Those are probably my top three. All righty. Uh, good podcast. Uh, thanks, everybody, for good joining. Good luck with the migraine and the finger. Yeah, So if you, if you have to use any paper toweling over there, just let me know. I'll open the door for you so you don't hurt this yourself. This thing freaking killed. It was brutal. All right, so we, what did we touch on? We touched on the Athletic Wild Survey, the Stanley Cup Final, Brett McLean. Um, my singer, anything else, anything annoying you these days? Big win by the twins today. Yeah. Extra innings win. Yeah. That no, nothing's annoying me. It's I'm a happy guy. All right. Awesome. Uh, thanks to everybody for tuning in to the Aquarius home services studio. Uh, we'll be doing two live shows. We believe in the month of June. The problem is, is that I leave on, um, 
on Thursday, and I don't know when I'm coming back. It could be as late as June 20th. So uh, we're thinking around June 22nd, having a live show at Tuttle's. Uh, but uh, stay stay uh, tuned to uh, our next couple podcasts where we'll be broadcasting that. And then uh, perhaps uh, June 30th, the day I get back from the NHL draft, we can uh, squeeze in a pod. Uh, and then uh, we got to do one live show, hopefully, before we go to Sicily, Anthony, and then maybe uh, we'll do a podcast from Sicily as well. Yeah, having some Sicilian white wine right now, so that's good. Nice. All right. Thanks for everybody for tuning in. Thanks to our sponsors at Aquarius Home Services, your uh, installers of Connecticut Water Treatment Systems, Plumbing, Heating, and Cooling, Moe's Tavern, Royal Credit Union, Chris Lindahl Real Estate, Bosch Law Firm, and Kowalski's. Talk to you next week, Anthony. So much coming out, there's nothing going in I know that you feel like you're never gonna win Oh, but the world won't forgive a winner It took every ounce of me not to scream and curse in the bathroom And uh, it was on fire So I like immediately rub it into my shirt